0: We are bellying up to the bar just after Valentine's Day. This might be the perfect show for you, depending upon how your Valentine's Day went, dependent upon what decisions were made. This, this, this could be the most perfect show. And we have brought a... Let's see, how many... I'm trying to think of all the av- adjectives, because I can tell you, when this young lady was introduced to me by a prior guest and... We sat, he's like, man, you got to talk to her. You got to meet her. She's going to blow your mind with her knowledge. I said, all right, let, let's see what we got here. And I started doing my research. And if you didn't see our post this week, you 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 missed just, she's got the model looks, beautiful pictures that we put out there that she offered up to us. We have bellowing up to the bar with us, the founder of the People of Color Psychedelic Collective, the longest name of any group we've had on so far. <laughs> I love that fact. But we have joining us, and this is one of the other great things that she did for me because she knows I don't know how to pronounce names. I'm horrible at it. We have ife Tayo. <laughs> you didn't know you were getting applause, did you?
1: Oh. <laughs> you, oh man. You didn't know all
0: that was gonna happen, did
1: you? <laughs> I was like, is something wrong with my mic?
0: No, <laughs> uh, we, we just offered up applause. So now do you let me ask this before I make a grand mistake. Do you always go by your full name Ife Tayo or do you go by Ife? What do you normally do?
1: So I go by Ife Tayo or Ife. Ife. Mm-hmm.
0: Can I call you Ife?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I will do
0: I will if you tell me nope, Sean. You got to do the whole name. I promise you I will I will do the whole name, but I'm I'm asking
1: you
0: can call me ife. <laughs> ife. I will then I will call you Ife. So welcome to joining us tonight. And again, she is the founder of the People of Color Psychedelic Collective. So thank you so much for being here. This is a, a this is a, a topic, you know, that really is getting some legs under it as we see, you know, the legalization of recreational marijuana. We're finally starting to see more people talking about how psychedelics can be used in this way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: we're we're gonna get get a little bit of this house clean and done, folks. If you're just finding us through uh, Efe, Ife, I <laughs> told you, I try. But if you're finding us us through her group, please make sure you give us a like and a follow. If you're finding her through us, make sure you go and you check out their Facebook page, which is People of People of Color Psychedelic Collective. The Instagram goes by the same name and. Here in a moment. I'm already forgetting myself. We've got their website, which is www.pocpc.com, and you can get all the information there. But maybe you're part of one of those groups. Maybe you've got something that you're you want people to know about. Maybe you've got your own podcast, something else going on that you're saying to yourself, "Hey, we want to uh, we want to get more people to know what we've got going on." You can reach out to us on. Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram. It's all at the Above the Bar podcast. Even our email is Podcast at gmail.com. Drop me a line. Let me know what you got going on. I will then give you the address where to send all this stuff to. And we'll go ahead and uh, get you up here on the big board for sticker and a cause. It's a little bit of free, free advertisement for everybody. Now, the other side of this is maybe your media looks like it's still been tripping since the 1960s and it needs a lot of help. It's it's looking for the, it it had too much orange juice with its LSD. And he's making faces like these things happen. But but maybe it needs a little bit. Well, you need to reach out to Media by Dibs. That's D-I-B-S. You can find Dibs on Facebook and you can find him on uh, Instagram at Media by Dibs. And if you look him up, on LinkedIn, it's Andrew Dibble, D-I-B-B-L-E. If you tell him you're there to belly up to the bar, he's going to give you a 10% discount and a free consultation. That's Media by Dibs. All right. Now, Ife, we're all open. The bar's ready to go. <laughs> are, you exci- are you excited? Now, you had a, You had your liqueur. You got a little Cheers. Got a little liqueur tonight.
1: Yeah. Like a, you know,
0: liqueur. I got my uh, bourbon. We're, we're ready to go. <laughs> so, I got to start with this question. Mm -hmm. Where did, I don't know if, let's not go with where did, what made you say, Hey, this is the route that I'm going to go. I'm going to go ahead and uh, (laughs) put this out and I'm going to start researching psychedelics to assist with mental health. Where did that even begin for you?
1: To be honest, it was not a straightforward road or was it intentional Um, you know, I went to high school, college, um, by the time I was, uh, in college, I was wanting to be a history professor for high school students or history teacher, and that just wasn't working out. (laughs) But what did work out was, uh, in 2013, I got an internship at the Drug Policy Alliance and, um, that's where I first started talking about my dad going to prison and being deported. So my dad was sentenced to 15 years in prison wow. um, for cocaine trafficking and he was deported after serving eight years. And um, I started for the first time talking about how that impacted my childhood. Um, and so I wrote an op-ed for the HuffPost and Alternate. and uh, back in 2013. And then a few months after my internship, uh, the Drug Policy Alliance, they invited me to speak at their conference in Denver, Colorado. Um, And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I never really went to a conference. I was 21 at the time. And I was just like, yeah, I'll speak. Speaking was never a big issue for me. I was a student council kid growing up. So <laughs> I get there and it's like 1,100 people. So yeah, I <laughs> just talk and. So yeah. <laughs> um, and I spoke about how my dad's incarceration um, shaped my childhood. And I ended up getting so emotional during my talk that. I started crying and it was a really cathartic moment. I was a little embarrassed, but it was actually pretty cathartic because afterwards, all these people came up to me and said like, oh, thank you so much for sharing your story. I was meeting all kinds of people. Some folks were like, I was the parent who was in prison or my dad or my mom was in prison so I can relate to your story. So that um i got connected to a lot of people who could relate and it, it made my experience feel a bit more small if that makes sense um, you know i learned that uh parents in prison is more common than you would think just because
0: crazy how, isn't it
1: yeah how mass incarceration you know, our incarceration rates have increased over the last 30, 40 years because of the war on drugs. And so I was finally beginning to see it in like a bigger picture outside of my own life. And, um, at that same conference, I went to a panel on end of life treatment and psychedelics. And so this is my first time ever hearing about psychedelics in a therapeutic research. Um, Really? yeah. Um, I knew about, you know, counterculture of the sixties and, uh, my friends in college at that point were doing Molly. So I knew about, you know, I knew about that right. recreationally, but not for research. And um, I was familiar with like medically assisted suicide and that concept kind of intrigued me a little Using bit. in Asia. Yeah. I, I learned about that in college. So when I, I heard about this panel, I was like, huh, this is really interesting. Um And it convinced me to try mushrooms for myself because I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder my senior year and it hit me really hard. Um, I was struggling with like my classwork and, um, you know, just going to class and doing all of my responsibilities. So after that conference, I was convinced that I need to do mushrooms because I was so desperate and. I didn't want to go on um, SSRIs, like WellButrin. What's SSRIs? Oh, sorry. It's like antidepressants, like um, prescription, like uh, Celexa or WellButrin. I was.
0: All that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was a little um, hesitant about that. And so I went back to college after the conference and I was asking my friends, like, how do I do mushrooms? How much should I do? Where should I do? (laughs) it? Give me the whole rundown. (laughs) And they were like, okay, mushrooms taste
0: gross. (laughs) That's what everyone says. I've never had them, but I've always (laughs) They taste like what they grow on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. Very earthy, very chewy. Um, Take an eighth. They told me to take an eighth and do it, go in nature or something like that. So I did and
0: <laughs> I love I love how like so these are my friends, they were doing Molly, I was like, How about shrooms? They were like, do an eighth and go walk through the forest. Go love it. Fucking <laughs> like birds and trees are gonna start talking to you.
1: <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> the birds and trees started talking to me.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so great.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was a really um, it really changed my trajectory uh, in life. Obviously, because I never would have considered working in psychedelics, really. So after I graduated, um, about a year later, I started working at MAPS, which is the um, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Longer than my organization's name.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. You're going to have to map that one out.
1: (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) Oh, man.
0: So. Now, so you're, so now you're working for MAPS. Are you still, now, do you still work for them today?
1: No. So I, I only worked for MAPS for about eight months. It wasn't a good fit for me. Um, though I had a lot of cool, interesting experiences. Um, there was, <laughs> there was some struggle there. I was the only black person there. I was the only person of color. So at that time, when they were talking about like uh, MDMA assisted psychotherapy for people with PTSD, I was like, okay, this sounds cool. But when they were looking at the research participant numbers, there weren't a lot of black people. I'm There's talking no
0: diversity like, in the market.
1: Yeah. They were like, I recall one presentation saying like 90% white. So that, <laughs> that was. Are we like, that
0: sad? <laughs> I, are my people that sad? <laughs> like we're just, that, we're in that spot. Like we're that bad off. Good Lord.
1: Yeah, that, <laughs> thankfully they. I know that they is they've improved a lot since 2015, but yeah, they've come a lot <laughs> It's been a long time, so um, I ended up leaving and moving back east to New York and working at the Drug Policy Alliance full time. I ended up working there for five years, and uh, POC Psychedelic Collective was like a side project of mine. Um, I wrote a piece for this uh, psychedelic magazine called Symposia. Uh, the piece is called Why the Psychedelic Community is So White. And <laughs> and I...
0: <laughs> I love this because I agree with you. Because <laughs> I, I think that most of us consider, let's call it what it is, that psychedelics are a white male drug.
1: Mm-hmm. Would you mm-hmm. agree
0: with that? That's um, People kind of categorize it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People categorize it as, yeah. Like, a yeah. White man drug or stuff that white people do. Right. Um, and I was finding that in a lot of events and panels I was attending, there were people who were trying to talk about race, but were afraid to talk about it directly. And it was really awkward. So I'm like, boom, let's just <laughs> lay it all out here. Um and then I started connecting with other folks who had the same concerns as me in the space. And we started having informal Zoom calls. And that's basically how the collective was born, was having Zoom calls monthly and then doing projects together and then incorporating, fundraising, that whole thing. And, yeah, so we've been doing that since 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Now, now what is what is your goal with and folks if you want to get more we're going to get as much as we can out today but if you're interested in more you can always go to www.pocpc.com and i promise you fa will get you everything you need but what is your goal with the, with the poc
1: yeah i um <laughs> have a few goals i think that um we need to Create more infrastructure in the psychedelic field, um, because lately there's just been so much growth happening, um, on, especially on the for-profit side, the tech side. So what motivated me to start the organization was not seeing a lot of us represented in the research and the narratives, um, advocacy, policy, that kind of thing. And I wanted to basically educate people on the therapeutic value of psychedelics while also talking about psychedelics within the frame of the war on drugs. Um, And also create community, create spaces. So we would do events, um, conferences, retreats. We've done all those in the past. Um, But overall, I want to kind of bring in new narratives, uh, do some culture change work around psychedelics while also pushing for the end of the war on drugs. Because if we legalize psychedelics, or if we leave psychedelics <laughs> you, get cheer,
0: you get cheers from me all day long on that one. <laughs>
1: uh, Thank you.
0: <laughs> I keep going we'll talk about that in a minute i'm so anti-war on drugs you have no idea
1: yeah well it's it's very wasteful and what's happening now is like this kind of fractured ending you know we have cannabis legalization uh in a lot of states over 20 states in the u.s now but federally it's still not legal so it's like this weird you know, loophole dance that we're doing in when it comes to drug policy reform. And we could just say, let's decriminalize all drugs, period, federally, uh, we could legalize and regulate drugs. Like, why are we still locking people up for drugs? Uh, (laughs) And now, you know, we have a lot of narratives in the media around fentanyl, and how it's killing all the you touch it and you die even right. though it's not true but that you know folks are well aware why the drug supply is poison they just don't care uh, Well, I, I don't want to say people I will say like the government right. <laughs> is they, failing they,
0: it's not it's not a rich person's problem as they're concerned mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that is the that is the absolute way i see it and folks listen, neither one of us are doctors, at least i don't you're not a doctor right you didn't yeah so I say some some shit, and I'm wrong here, but <laughs> but but neither one of us are doctors, but let's call it what it is any any crime that has a price tag associated with it, a financial tag was not made for somebody of wealth. Call mm. that what it is, yeah, and if you look at the war on drugs, almost every bit of it you get locked up, and there is a price associated with that lockup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so again this is not made for somebody who's broke or for somebody who has money it's made for those of us that that don't have money or grew up broke mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have to go to jail and you're gonna have to work for 19 cents an hour and make t-shirts yeah. for mcdonald's you know yeah. i am listen the war on drugs folks you had a, you got sold a bill of goods it's yes shit
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah and fa just just yeah. said perfectly most people, and I would love your opinion on this. Most people do drugs for the same reason that most people overindulge in alcohol mm-hmm. because there is a mental health issue that mm-hmm. is not being addressed. So, this is how they bury it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I would say we're all self medicating in one way or the other, soothing, coping. Um, you know, when we get when we start to see people. I guess being more dysfunctional and using drugs or alcohol to cope, that's when, you know, we're starting to think about dependence, addiction. But a lot of us use drugs and are pretty functional people. And, you know, it's pretty rare to actually meet someone who doesn't do drugs, honestly. And it's funny because uh, each drug has stereotypes uh, like about what that typical drug user looks like. But you'd be surprised at what kind of people use what drugs. You know, I've, I've had several colleagues talk to me about their meth use. And I'm like, oh, if, like, I remember the first time it happened. I was like, are you are you messing with me? But <laughs> but That's they awesome. were actually serious. And, um, you know, I also learned when I was first at DPA that meth and Adderall are very similar um i learned that from dr carl hart's book high price and it made sense you know so we're all pretty much drug users i used to work at like fast casual places like panera when i was in high school and seeing people who drank coffee not get their coffee oh man they're ah. ready to flip the store over <laughs>
0: call me in the morning i'll let you know all about that <laughs> but, but, you know what you bring up a great point you know we we stereotype these things We place an image of what that person looks like I promise you, everybody who listens to this When you said meth user mm-hmm. They saw a trailer park mm-hmm. They saw, you know Somebody who had four teeth Two of which are in their pocket You know, they, that was the image that came to mind to them I mean, to the yeah. point that You know, we had to pick up some real Sudafed recently, <laughs> like, like legit Sudafed And you have to show your driver's license now Oh, really? <laughs> Oh yeah. Cause it's behind the pharmacy counter.
1: Oh man. Here's
0: my driver's license. Can I please have a box of Sudafed <laughs> so, so I can deal with my allergies? So as you've moved through this journey and, mm-hmm. and you're, and you, you're starting to meet folks, what mm-hmm. has been some of the reactions? You know, I, I think I'm a pretty open-minded person. We're having this conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what has
0: been some of the reactions on both sides from people that you thought were going to be closed off to it? And you were like, and they're like, no, I'm I'm super open to this. Let's talk about it. What yeah. were what were some of the reactions that you got on both ends of the coin?
1: I would say to be honest, I overwhelmingly get positive reactions. I don't get a ton of I you know, I can count on one hand the number of people who have like really questioned or been skeptical of uh psychedelics or drug policy reform work i i was i think most people are accepting of it curious about it you know would try one or two things here or there um there are some people i know who like i'll try anything like oh <laughs> are other people doing it okay i'll do it too
0: <laughs> some mushroom crack let's, let's smoke mushroom crack i don't care <laughs>
1: that's like you're giving me ideas i'm, going I'm coming it. up with
0: I'm, I'm, I'm all i'm all over the place so, so it sounds like most people have been very open to mm-hmm. the mindset of it how oh, about yeah. how about people within the me- the, the medical community mm-hmm. when when as a group either through you know the people of color uh psychedelic collective or when you were with the drug drug alliance mm-hmm. approaching people in the medical community to say hey we need you to properly dose this. Like I have a a, a service mm-hmm. member uh, friend who went through a bad time, and I'm going to ask you about this one here in a minute. And he did what he called a session. Is that the right terminology when you do like a like a a series yeah. almost? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did one, and he was good. He's never had to go back. It it, it got him through what he needed to get through what has it been like approaching the medical community and saying, Hey, we need, we need you to oversee this. This is the right way to do this. If we're treating depression or something like that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you bring up a good uh, point or conflict that's present in the psychedelic field. And that conflict is the medical versus community or recreational um, model. So basically there, you know, there's lots of research happening. There's ketamine clinics popping up. There are, uh, oh yeah, there's tons of ketamine. (laughs) Ketamine has taken off. There are so many ketamine clinics nowadays. Um, And then, you know, folks are, you know, my former employer maps, their goal is to um, legalize MDMA assisted psychotherapy. So it will only be legalized under the context of the therapy, not outside of it. So if you're, you, know, you get caught using MDMA at a party, that can still be a criminal offense. So a lot of folks in the community feel that we shouldn't just give the power to the doctors or the medical community um, because that still allows for criminalization. Gotcha. Um, and then there's also the history of the medical community and drugs. You know, a lot of doctors, uh, medical professionals are known for discriminating against drug users for reporting parents. If they, you know, fail a drug test or are under the suspicion of using drugs. So there's that distrust there as well. Um, but overall there are, I'm, I've been seeing an increase in medical professionals um, interested in the research, interested in using this for their patients. Um, <clears throat> and I you know, we saw the same thing happen with cannabis 10 years ago. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, there's all these, you know, NYU, Johns Hopkins, all these big institutions are researching uh UC Berkeley, they're all opening uh psychedelic research centers. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I didn't know they were all open. And it's it's interesting now, do you make a distinction in the psychedelics? And what I mean by that, or even within these organizations, you know, you mentioned MDNA, which it, to me, like if somebody said, hey, doing MDM, MDNA or yeah. doing, I can't even get it out out my mouth. Or doing like, uh, what's it, like LSD or PCP or, or angel dust, something along those lines has a different view to me than I would say um, shrooms.
1: Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I
0: mean? Do you Do you see a distinction or do you make a distinction within that?
1: So you're saying like kind of like synthetic drugs versus more natural. Right. I used to back when I was younger, (laughs) I used to be like I used to be like, oh, I only do the natural stuff. But now, I mean, I think the distinction that needs to be made is just the harm reduction around each substance and harm reduction basically means uh, minimizing the risks associated with with each substance. I don't discriminate on substances for my own personal use. Um, there are certain class of drugs that work better for me versus not, I'm not a stimulants person. I don't, don't need to be up. I don't drink coffee every day. (laughs) Um, but some people, we have a term called psychedelic exceptionalism, meaning folks who are okay with use of psychedelics, but not okay with other classes of drugs, uh, stimulants, um, I guess, depressants like alcohol. So I'm not one of those people. But for me, when it comes to taking any drug, any substance, I like to know all I can know about it. And uh, just so I can keep myself safe. There's basic stuff, you know, stay hydrated, eat. um, Don't do it in a certain setting. Um, Like I would never do mushrooms at a party. Like that's not... (laughs) I meet people all the time. who are like, Oh yeah. My first time was uh, at a party and I ended up in a closet and <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I would agree with you. And it's interesting that, you know, we do, even as somebody as open as I am to it, mm-hmm. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, no, I, I still, I put that like, you know, Hey, you, you, you take an edible or you, you, you chew a cap or whatever it is you do. Eh, whatever. But somebody was like, Yeah, I'm gonna put a spike in my arm. I'm like, Oh <laughs> you don't know that. You're like that's yeah. you know, now what about for for your organizations as as we're and I'm with you, you can put that on my page anytime you want to, pushing for that legalization and, and removing this war on drugs. Folks, I'm gonna help everybody out. I'm gonna blow everybody's mind for a moment. FA, you ready to have your mind blown? Sure name me another thing that we've called a war on war on anything name something
1: uh
0: that the government has called a war on something
1: the war on terror
0: the war on terror <laughs> did the you hear about war the war on poverty
1: yes yes
0: war, war on yeah. drugs
1: <laughs> but yeah
0: are we still going through all these yep yep that's what remember as a marine, I will promise you, we are a country that thrives on war because mm-hmm. we build more things. We are, we know about technology and we use it to drive technology. They don't want these things to end, do they? Nope. War on crime.
1: Yep. Anytime it's, we, people.
0: It, it's a profit. Anytime we put war in front of something, just know that somebody's getting paid really, really good for this. <laughs> somebody's making out. But what is your feelings though? So say tomorrow flip the switch everything's legalized
1: mm-hmm.
0: what do you, you see do you see any dangers on the other side of that
1: mm. yeah i think that's a good question so a lot of people think and naturally you know they think oh well if we legalize this drug then drug use is going to go up people are going to get addicted blah, blah blah and i don't think that's necessarily true i think And I'm I'm sure there's some research to back me up on this. I can't remember right now, but um, when drugs are decriminalized, when drugs are legalized, use rates actually go down. Um, A lot of people who are opposed to cannabis um, legalization use the talking point like, oh, well, youth rates are going to go up. And in places like Colorado, youth rates didn't go up. So I think it's normal to maybe assume that might happen but i think it would naturally decrease because one we would have a better drug supply right we wouldn't have cleaner yeah we wouldn't have um you know all the adulterants um in certain substances and then it would be relatively easy for people to get drugs so that's half the battle right there because i think people kind of get you know a rush out of getting something (laughs) but when it's easy to get people are like eh. You know, (laughs) right. So I can see why someone would think that. Um, I think it's our responsibility to educate people again on what these drugs do, what they don't do, what are the risks associated with them. Because, you know, if you drink too much alcohol, that looks a certain way. You're going to vomit, you might pass out, you might piss yourself. Like, (laughs) Um, you yeah. might do all those things. The answer is yes. You might do some things you don't remember. But if you take too much acid, that's a totally different experience, right? So you need to treat those people differently. So when we increase access to a substance, we have to do the like the PSA work, the education work to teach people, okay, these are the dangers, these are not, here's how you do it. And that also requires like cultural shifts because for a long time, we all got the DARE education, you know, don't talk about drugs. And so now we're kind of opening things up and changing our culture by talking about our drug use openly. Um, And I think that's, that's part of the education too, is just, you know, talking to people. So uh, that information shared.
0: Now, there's a couple of states already that, that have legalized um, psychedelics. I know Oregon is one. Well, Oregon,
1: well Oregon has a funny program. I don't want to say playing. Let me not say that. But <laughs> yes, yes. There's been some... Oregon has like a psilocybin program.
0: Right. Uh,
1: psychedelic mushrooms. But it's like... It's a little... Uh, it's not recreational it's through a guide and then a lot of jurisdictions have like decriminalized or deprioritize psychedelics um i don't yeah so i and i say that not to nitpick but because a lot of people conflate decrim with legalization yes yes and then a lot of the initiatives that psychedelics, um, you know, that went down in like California, Colorado, say they're decriminalized, but they're not actually true decrim. It's deprioritized, meaning that if the cops still want to charge you with a crime, they can. Um, deprioritization just means, OK, we'll overlook it for now. And right. anyone who knows cops know that cops, <laughs> they do what they want so so yeah
0: yeah what is what is the thing i can get you on yeah yes that that's definitely how that works but but that kind of feeds into my next question where with and it's just staying with the psilocybin for a second because that's what i know where where people have been treated for different things i didn't know so much about the mdma as far as the treatment see i got it right this time as far as the treatment um (laughs) my my buddy josh He says, I've never heard of anyone getting hooked on shrooms, LOL. They are powerful medicine. Absolutely. I I agree with you. I've never personally done it just because I haven't. I'm just not that person and -hmm. and I don't hold it against anyone. But when someone is being treated and and help me to understand, because I've talked to people who have Mm -hmm. that micro dosing, they're not tripping and seeing like you know, the wall coming in and out, it's done, at it such a micro level. Yeah. I, I, am my understanding that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say the effects are way more subtle than, um, doing a full dose. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, your tolerance depends on how how much you should take. So for some people, they can feel something on one or two grams. Some people I know they have to take five to seven grams to feel or. Yeah. So <laughs> it's interesting. And, and um, what John is John is saying in the comments, a lot of people think, but I actually know some folks who <laughs> do get hooked on shrooms and acid, but not, you know, it's not, I'm not saying that out of judgment, um,
0: but it's not hooked like we think of the word. It's,
1: it's not. It doesn't. Yeah, a lot of times addiction doesn't look like what we think. Um, it's just
0: we, we we stereotype it to Hollywood. Hollywood has told us that addiction looks like Chris Rock in um what was what was that movie from God I can't think of the name of the movie. Where he was where he played the junkie with uh Wesley Snipes and God, it's an old movie too. I can't think of it, but it was like one of his early movies, and he plays the junkie and he's like uh-huh. smoking crack as the building's burning down around him.
1: New jack city. New Jack
0: City, thank you. Yeah.
1: yeah. But,
0: but that's that's our mindset, it is either that or colors. That's where we develop these mindsets of what a this is what somebody hooked looks like. So if you see that person, they're they're just hooked, they don't see yeah. it the other way yeah
1: and and the thing about addiction is that people don't use they're not addicted to these drugs because it just tastes so good it feels so good this is their way of medicating this is their way of coping with whatever pain trauma um dysfunction that they have going on it just yeah it looks differently for everyone and some people can mask it some people can't but most people who use drugs don't actually get addicted That's also something that a lot of folks don't realize is that most people can use drugs and not get addicted. But when you look at it from more of a trauma perspective, okay, you take person A who, you know, well-adjusted, has a loving community support system, has a job, um, has stable housing versus person B who has shaky, a shaky job, a low paying job, um, okay housing not a lot of people in their lives if you both give them heroin who's going to get addicted person a or
0: <laughs> right
1: right so people people are coping the best way they can and given you know how expensive healthcare can be in this country mental health care it's hard for folks to find a therapist or support groups people people would uh,
0: those things also
1: yeah that's true too that's true too pizza
0: my addiction <laughs> Nate, Nate, Nate's on here folks Nate says pizza his addiction not anymore bro you're down to 275 my man you told me that the other day so let me give this to Nate real quick he, he, he's down my, my man my man's getting down there he still can't pick anybody in fantasy football he can't beat me but man, <laughs> we'll get there but you know what I, I want to stay where we're talking about so using the psychedelics if, if we legalize this and you kind of brought it up that there's studies that already show that in places where these things have become legalized and they've become decriminalized and, and I I've got a little bit of inside information. Why would marijuana still is not, you know why marijuana still is not legalized on a federal level, right? Why? Because they can't test it from a, you can't test it like you can alcohol right away. So Interesting. F- FRA and the TSA and uh all the the tra- all the transportation people <laughs> say that well give us give us something that we can test somebody when we pull them over or a train conductor or something like that give us something we can test them right away and uh it's it's always you know yep once they can do that they say they'll they'll legalize it that mm-hmm. is what the that is what they will tell you at that higher levels is we we haven't for that reason and it's an interesting one you know Hey, yeah. If if I would really like them to be able to test if my pilot is is high as <laughs> high as a kite before he gets on there, we we can give him a breathalyzer. But you know we know they weren't doing that either. But
1: that's so interesting. But that's as interesting.
0: But as far as once, what do you think you would like to see happen, or or what is you know the the POC PC hoping to see happen? if tomorrow they did decriminalize it, because we're talking billions of dollars across mm-hmm. across the, so, I mean, in my mind, decriminalizing is great, but mil- billions of dollars that no longer needs to be spent on law enforcement mm-hmm. communities that, I, you know, it's a horrible thing to say it this way, but communities that live off of that drug money, I grew up in East Baltimore, trust me, communities that live off of that drug money. How do, um, how do you, would you expect them to now, cause you know we ain't getting it back in taxes. They, they ain't giving it back. <laughs> got it. So how is the POCPC, and if you want to know more folks, again, www.pocpc.com, see see what uh, we've got going on here and what FA has got going, but how do, how do you want to see as an organization that money distributed?
1: That's a great question. I think that, We should reinvest into the communities that we took from. Um, All the communities uh, who lost people to mass incarceration, like mine with my father, um, should have reinvestment money put back into it. And, you know, that can be everything from infrastructure, schools, uh, business. Classes on how to get on the in the industry, um, helping people get jobs in the industry as well, but. We, I think a lot of people like to skip that step and just say like, oh, let's just legalize it. Forget about all the people we locked up for weed. Forget about all the people we locked up for 20, 30, 40 years for drugs. And let's just move on with it and make this money. But we have to repair the harm that has happened. So many people's lives have been affected by the war on drugs. Um, And it's not only prisons and, you know, jails. It's People losing scholarships, people losing benefits, um, you know, military guys, a lot of y'all get tested. Um, <laughs> Man,
0: so gets tested. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I would say that's what we need to do with the money. And then we also need to invest in like training people, training more therapists, training more practitioners on how to work with, um, psychedelic substances. And, um, let's see what else. <laughs>
0: I'm always curious about this because so many people just say, well, we legalize it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you're, if you're from a community that let's call it what it is that drugs, drugs pay the bills in that community. Cause there's no other way to, to get mm-hmm. the bills paid. And all of a sudden the junkie doesn't have to, to get to you. They can go to the corner store
1: mm-hmm. and, pick,
0: and pick it up or go to a dispensary and pick it up. You've now done even more damage to that community without, Mm -hmm. putting money back into it
1: Mm -hmm. where do Mm -hmm.
0: they where do they go from there
1: that's a good question that's a good question i think that that has come up with cannabis legalization with the dispensaries you know people saying dispensaries look like the apple store some of them do (laughs) a lot of people will actually stay loyal to their streets their street um dealers
0: Street pharmacist?
1: yeah, street pharmacists. Instead of going to the dispensary or the corner store, because sometimes the prices stay better. Um, they're loyal, that kind of thing. So brand
0: loyalty, brand loyalty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I think I don't. I think that it like you bring up a good point. Um, it could hurt some some of the folks who've been on the underground for a long time, but. I think that is a reason to bring those people in first and foremost. You know, if you've been selling drugs for 10, 20 years, you need to be at the table talking about equity and policy and implementation. Um, I think it's important because those people have the life experience and they know what the streets are saying.
0: <laughs> we, the did we did it with bootleggers mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. the end of uh, Prohibition and Nate brings up a point hurt Ricky williams absolutely hurt Ricky williams you know phenomenal mm-hmm. NFL star who because of using marijuana to cope he was hurt from this mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know it, he he was damaged you know God he went bounced from team to team and he just want he just want to smoke a little <laughs> and he did it did him damage and now the NFL's like man. Eh. Who cares, you know, so we're going to get right, you know, we got to close the lights up on on the bar here soon. And this is such an interesting topic, you know, when we think about this, you know, moving, moving forward, what are some of the things that people can do if, if they feel strongly about, you know, psychedelics and the use of psychedelics for mental health and, you know, the treatment of, of mental health issues, What are some of the things they can do in their communities to, to help push this narrative?
1: Well, I think the first step is to get educated. There's groups like mine. You can follow. There are, you know, groups that do nightlife work, policy work, community work. So you can, I would say, search, you know, your city, say, for example, if you live in Baltimore, Baltimore Psychedelic Society, Um, There's groups out there who are, um, you know, having integration circles, having events, having talks, get to know people who have been doing this for a while and and learn from them. Um, And then, of course, there's different actions you can take in terms of organizing. Um, If you are involved in your city's politics, you can start to push uh, for new laws to be uh, made to decriminalize drugs in the drug war, um, yeah, there's there's so much you can do. I would just say tap in where you are in your community and and see what's already going down.
0: And, and I'm gonna fix myself because I keep jacking this up. <laughs> Ife, I keep <laughs> and, and Ife knows that, and I warned her. I said it's nothing personal. I'm so bad with names. And I'm, <laughs> it's a personal. I I barely read most days so but but Efe brings up a great great point go out and be you know we all want to say oh these are horrible things but let me go watch let me binge the new uh season of whatever on netflix <laughs> don't tell me you don't have time if you can tell me that you ran through the first the last season of stranger things in <laughs> one night please don't tell me you don't have time please don't 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 give me that
1: okay. what are- You can also watch How to Change Your Mind with Michael Pollan on Netflix. That's that's a um, docu-series about psychedelics. Michael Pollan, he's a a writer, author, and he um, wrote a book a few years ago called How to Change Your Mind, and it's about his experience with psychedelics, and they made a Netflix series um, out of it, interviewing a lot of experts. So each episode is on a different substance. Oh, really? Um, But yeah, I suggest that to folks because it's a good starting point to learning about um, psychedelics and what's going on. So, yeah, Netflix, if you're going to watch something on Netflix, boom, there you go.
0: (laughs) It's called Changing Your Mind.
1: How to Change Your Mind. How to Change
0: Your Mind. Here's one that I learned recently. I want to get your thoughts on this because we got a couple minutes left. Okay. Have you ever heard the theory that it was psilocybin that got the human mind? to where it is today Hmm. that basically go back to hunter gatherer times Mm
1: -hmm. go back to the human
0: as a hunter gatherer you're going to be able to like you're going to know like hey i'm picking this i'm picking that i'm eating eventually you're going to know that hey these uh blue ones with red speckled dots you know make the trees talk to me Uh, (laughs) in whatever the case is but there's this entire theory that says psilocybin helped the human mind create different channels of thought and increased thought and introspective thought, mm-hmm. and that's how we got to where we are
1: today. is that the stone eight theory
0: though uh it could be I, all I know is it's it's this idea that psilocybin is what pushed that narrative and, and really helped these channels yeah, yeah. In, our, in our mind to start growing yeah go like. You know, because I'm telling you, I mean, I, like I said, I've never done shrooms, but I've definitely, you know, been like, dude, do you see that, man? Like, <laughs> we've all had those moments. But, but, what's your thought? What are your thoughts on that?
1: That I mean, when you think about it, it makes sense. Like, I, I always think about that too. Like, what it? Who was the first person or being to eat a a psilocybin mushroom and <laughs> and what happened how they react and right it's kind of awesome because you're like when you start to get into mushrooms or psychedelics you realize that like tv and movies aren't as interesting as you thought they were and you kind of just have this stuff and
0: I, I, I'm, you might be on to stop marriage <laughs> and i told you this was coming i told you this was coming okay right. okay so nate needs to know what is your go-to comfort food when when you when you on your on a journey, we call it a journey. I like that better than a trip because mm-hmm. trip don't last that long. You just fall in. <laughs> but what is your? Do you have a go to comfort food during those times?
1: Oh man, you know I honestly don't get hungry when I'm on a journey. I feel like weed is a different thing. That's a but- <laughs> <other animal. laughs> Wait, what would you say?
0: That's a whole other animal.
1: Yeah, weed. I get the munchies, but with shrooms acid i i my appetite's always kind of suppressed um but i would say i'll answer that for we instead um oh man i love ice cream ben and jerry's Uh, (laughs) i love sweets i have a sweet tooth so cookies
0: what's your go-to ben and jerry's
1: everything but the um yeah
0: I i know the one i'm a big uh peanut butter chocolate Guy, yeah,
1: yeah, I okay. love peanut butter chocolate.
0: You gotta go up to Waterbury then, uh, up oh. in Vermont, up in Vermont is where the factory is.
1: Oh, right, right, and, yeah. And what's
0: really neat is when you get up there, they have a graveyard inside the fa- next to the factory, <laughs> but all the gravestones are the flavors that they don't make anymore.
1: Oh, uh, I was like, oh my god, oh,
0: it's all the factory workers that are no longer around, <laughs> they bury them. There's the secrets of the ice cream go with them. <laughs> No, but it's all the flavors they don't make anymore. And they, they bury oh, it. And Nate, might, and Nate needs you to know that next time you're on a journey, you should get Paraflex and watch Paranormal in the Funhouse. So these are like, he's a, Nate does ghost paranormal ghost hunting now.
1: Oh, uh, cool. So that,
0: I think that that would be probably the worst thing in the world to do on a trip. Because cool. you that shit might come out the TV on you. Oh and my you're, God.
1: You're on
0: a different journey. <laughs>
1: That would be terrible. I might fight the ghost or something. So
0: now, now, Ife, any upcoming com, uh, speaking engagements, anything that you've got coming up that other people can go and see you live, discuss these things, any mm-hmm. any events like that coming up?
1: Let's see. I'm going to be doing an event in about two weeks um, with the Deep Play Institute called uh, the Existential Playground.
0: <laughs> no, no. What is that <laughs> Very about?
1: Philosophical. Very philosophical. Um, it's basically adult play, but not in a sexual way.
0: <laughs> I was about to say, wait. Not you know, one of
1: those parts. That's a
0: hard left right there.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. So I'm going to be talking about uh, consciousness and altered states. And then uh, we haven't set the date on our next talk, but we're going to be doing a discussion on grassroots movement creating nonprofits in the psychedelic field
0: and we can find all that on pocpc.com
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm yes
0: and John says he 100% learned some new information tonight thank you both for this great discussion as a veteran and someone who has experienced psychedelic benefits thanks for for spreading awareness very informative pretty fun I try you know John I am a fun guy okay. <laughs> And, and you are I, a fun I, guy. Ife's way more interesting than I am. I just asked <laughs> a, I, I just, <laughs> a
1: said,
0: lot of Where work. are
1: we going with this?
0: Who knows? Who knows, Nate? You, 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 Nate, you've been with me since the jump street, brother. You know I ain't going nowhere at all.
1: We're gonna do an episode with y'all on shrooms and oh god.
0: <laughs> that could be, I don't even know what that would look like. Like that would I would have to be the guy like you would have to give me like half a cap. And just be like, all right, two hours into this, how are you feeling? And I I would probably be like, my big toe is talking to me right now. <laughs> I I am I'm so not a good drug user in any way, shape, or form.
1: It's, that's that's it's good to know that about yourself, you know. I, I know
0: that about me. I'm I'm definitely yes, John. You could watch that. I mean, everyone would watch that one.
1: Uh <laughs> bring
0: the one guy back on. Uh, but yeah. I, it's just something I know about me. So we've got all these things, any, pl- if, what if somebody wanted to donate I you know, we hear about all these grassroots movements. We hear about all these things. You're not, you know, it's not free. It's not easy. You know, let's <laughs> call it what it is. Money talks, bullshit walks. Yep. Any place that they could donate if they were interested in that?
1: Yes. You can go on our website, um, www.pocpc.org. And then you can, at the top menu, you'll see the donate button, and you can donate through there. Uh, it is, what, 501c3, so tax-deductible. woo Yay!
0: See, y'all didn't know your drugs were tax-deductible. Tax yeah. so, <laughs> you, you can get a tax write-off for your drugs. See, y'all didn't know that.
1: Yes! <laughs> so,
0: y'all didn't know. So, again, POCPC. POC,
1: it's oh, a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> like I
0: am, I am in the challenge mode tonight. And I only had like a glass and a half of, of urban. I am in the challenge mode tonight. <laughs> I do not know what's going on. Well, look, folks, if, if I, let me get this for myself. If you found us through EFE, make sure you give us a five-star on our – whatever platform you're watching this on. If you're watching the live video, make sure you give us a, a five-star rating – on Facebook, on the Above the Bar podcast channel. If you're listening to the audio the next day, make sure you uh, you get on whatever platform, whether it be Apple, whether it be Spotify, Podbean, whatever it is, give that five-star rating. It might sound like you're, you're watching your, a kid's show where they're like, like and subscribe. Listen to me. It makes a difference. Nobody hears about Efe's message unless you like and subscribe. The algorithm drives that. We can talk about this all day long, but the algorithm drives it. So you've got to get on there. You've got to give a message. You've got to write a comment. That's what drives this. That's how other people see it. That's how other people know. If these things matter to you and make your life better, that's how they know about it. It's pretty damn simple. You you can't stand in a closet and shout at the wall and expect anyone to hear you. So you got to get out there and do those things. Also, if you've got somebody that you think would be a great guest for us, I throw this out to everyone. Make sure you reach out to us, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, even the email. It's all at the Above the Bar podcast. Even our email is at Gmail. Send me a message. Make a connection. We'll talk to those folks. If you've got somebody that that you think would be a worthwhile guest. And again, make sure you're going on to www.pocpc.org, finding out what efe has got going on, finding out how you can be a supporter. Maybe she'll teach you how to start a grassroots movement in your own community so that you can you can be like you could have the POC PC of Western Maryland. Nate, it could be you. You'd be the POPC of Western Maryland So <laughs> now. Because this is how every show has to go and don't log off on me right after because I got to talk to you for half a second there. Uh, okay. So uh, what's Nate got for us? It goes south when when you're when you book paranormal. Look, we know that what happens when I book para- I I can't. Whenever I book somebody paranormal on my show, Efe, and you're not paranormal, but yeah. if it's like talking about ghosts, my shit glitches out. My mm-hmm. lights, great. like things actually happen. It's mm-hmm. what? <laughs> I, oh, I don't need drugs. Like all of a sudden, like my my audio will be like, I'm like I- I've got five bars and everything's great. Shit, just wow. Can't. Yeah. Yeah, they don't like it when i talk about them they don't <laughs> like it. so one of the rules of the our show is the guest always gets the final word so ife what is the final word for tonight
1: the final word for tonight is um hmm <laughs> the final word for, <laughs> the final word for tonight is um research your drugs.
0: Alrighty, folks. (laughs) This has been an Earplug podcast presentation found on Earplugpodcast.com iTunes, SoundCloud and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.